episode 245 logan lucky from 2017 i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and this episode is brought to you by target their good and gather store brand 12 ounces of frozen cauliflower are priced so well they're practically a steal at 139 shout out to target well shout out to target and to cauliflower and welcome the too fast to forever after the break we'll be talking about logan lucky but first joe extracurricular activities what have you been up to since we last spoke um nothing of super note rachel and i have never uh finished better call saul so we're blowing through that still cool um i think we're on season four now how many seasons were there do you know the the one that's on now that is airing its final part in two weeks is season six okay cool yeah, that's good. I might actually catch up right before the end, or I'll catch up right after the end. Yeah, the finale so is like mid-August, so you kind of have plenty of time, depending on how quickly you're going. We're going pretty quick, so that's that's a fair amount. Um, uh, hockey season ended. The Colorado Avalanche won, blowing the Tampa Bay Lightning streak of winning two in a row. Stopped them from three. I was very happy about that. That was about it, man. I've been like laying low. Going back to visit my parents this weekend, so I'll have updates, I'm sure, when I get back. Holiday but, weekend. Yeah, 4th of July weekend. So until then, I have just been relaxing. That's about it. How about you? I saw last Thursday night I went to the theaters to see The Black Phone, which is the new horror movie with uh, Ethan Hawke, directed by Scott Derrickson. I did not like it. Uh, it seems like another one, kind of like X, where like the internet's like, oh my god, this movie's great. And I'm like, mm, not really. Um, okay. I was annoyed. Like I feel like they're like letting. I feel like they don't. They set things up that they don't pay off, and it just you know was underwhelming. I was hoping for a cool thing. Like it's it's adapted from a short story by Stephen King's son Joe Hill, so it's kind of got Stephen King oh. vibes. Okay. But like okay. you know, I don't know. I did not love it, which I was kind of bummed by because I was looking forward to it. But then on Saturday, the Mikester came down because he and I had a movie date. We went to go see okay. Elvis, Boz Lerman's Elvis. Because it's not only we have the Elvis podcast, but we also have the Tom Hanks podcast, and he plays Colonel Tom Parker. And this movie is very long and exhausting, but very fun. Um, So we put out an episode. We recorded after we came back from the movies. We recorded an episode. I edited it, put it out that day. How long is the movie that it's very long and two hours and forty minutes? So three hours long, yeah, almost three hours long. That's, well, I mean, you know, there's there's no credit scenes. Like once the credits roll, you can just sort of bail, but. The movie is because it's Boz Lerman who did like Romeo Plus Juliet and he did The Great Gatsby. He did Mulan. Like he did all these movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is like so because it's, it's song, 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 this, that, whatever, like all a spectacle, whatever. It's, it's fun to watch. But I was just like, oh, this is a lot. Like, let me see. Like, we've got to be like near the end or whatever. And I looked at my watch and we were an hour in. I was like, oh, my God, there's so much more. to And then I checked again. We were only half an hour later. So we still had more than an hour left. I'm like, what is happening here? But it's really fun. Uh, Mike and I both really liked it. I think it's a lot of fun. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if that fun. matters. It's fun. So it's not like a dark Elvis movie. It's it's more upbeat. Oh, no, it's definitely uh, depressing. But it's like it's just the way that he because, I mean, Elvis's life was, you know, because what's interesting about this, what we had heard and was true is that it's about Elvis, but it's also about Colonel Tom Parker, who was okay. like the guy who like basically wormed his way into being Elvis's manager and took half of all of Elvis's earnings. And so okay. it's told through that perspective. And so it's all sort of heavy like that. And Elvis have a very happy life. But it's just it's fun, man. And Austin Butler 
as great as Elvis. So I would say, I've I don't heard... know if you need to see it on the big screen, but I think hearing it with great sound will, because okay. it's like a musical, basically, will be great. So I, I highly recommend, in some form, at some point, watching Elvis. Rachel said that, um, inappropriate for today, that Elvis's family, including Riley Keough, said that um, the guy that played Elvis, who did you just say? Austin Butler. You know who he Austin is, right? Butler. Do you know who he is? It sounds familiar, but go ahead, remind me. Vanessa Hudgens' ex-boyfriend. Oh, the, okay, that they makes sense. They were together for like a while. I wonder if Vanessa Hudgens is still dating Cole Tucker now as far that he's as I know in she Arizona. Is. Okay, good for them. But yeah, she was saying that everybody said that he did a good job and that the movie was well portrayed. Yeah, Elvis, Lisa Marie so. and Priscilla yep. and Riley all were like, this is a great movie, a great performance. Thank yep. you for doing it justice. So yeah, which is good because like that's, you know, worrisome, right? But. Yeah, yeah, and we've and we've been on the other side of that where they're like, the family doesn't say anything about it or says that it's not representative or you know like the Gucci movie, they're fat, short, fat peoples that played mm. them. Mm. Then after that, we did a bonus episode for this show for the Hot Rock for the Patreon. So if you are not a patron, go to TooFastTooFever.com for that. Uh, and the movie, movie was great. Yeah. Yeah. We both really enjoyed it. I actually just pitched it to uh, one of my coworkers that watches a lot of movies. Asked him if he'd ever seen it. He'd never heard of it. And I was like, you know, Robert Redford in a great heist movie in mm-hmm. the 70s. It should be more of a cult movie than it is. Check it out. So. Yeah. I think that's basically it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I did. You know, after having a month worth of recap of me going to another continent exactly. and seeing all yeah. this different stuff, just like, oh, I didn't really do much, but it's just back to normal. Exactly. But we have a Patreon, the aforementioned Patreon page here on the show, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, and mother of her second child, Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Shout out to Montez, who, you know, last episode, we had Duke have yep. his second child, yeah. his wife had a second child, and That's then Montez true. had her second yeah, baby. Yeah, two houses, two houses last time, now we had two babies this time. Lots of big things happen to our patrons. If you want good life things to happen to you, just support us at TooFastTooFever.com, and True. big things happen, apparently. So go do that thing, please, and thank you. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me. So we have two comments on the Patreon post and one email. But I also do want to say, after we did our three episodes, our commentary episodes while I was in Europe, yeah. I put a poll on Patreon. I was like, do you want, as Patreon bonus episodes, more commentaries like in place yeah. of because like if you don't know a perk of the patreon is that we do a bonus episode each month that will never be on the main feed so if you want even more of the show once a month whatever it's always there too fast com. and i yeah. put a poll up i said do you want more of that like do you want commentaries instead and overwhelmingly response yes so if you like the commentaries that we oh, did in the last cool. couple episodes if you want yeah. more of those Join the Patreon, TooFastTooFever.com. I don't know how often we'll do them, but, you know, every couple of months maybe we'll do one instead of the regular episodes. So that's to say thank you all for voting on that. Also, voting for the Hall of Fame is now open. CageClub.me slash bracket while I'm on the voting thing. But Oh, yeah, I voted. That's true. There's the perk. If you like the idea of the commentaries, if you like listening to them, engaging with them, watching along, however you enjoyed them, if you want more of those, TooFastTooFever.com for our Patreon. But two people commented on our recent episode with Iffy, Wadiway, 
And okay. Jerry at first said, Sir Lewis Hamilton in a fast movie? Absolutely. So we were talking about adding F1, right. and he's he's down. It was a thought that I had that we were talking about last episode that I don't know. It fits so perfect. How has it not happened yet? Yeah, I agree. This is also one of these things that it's very likely that they add an F1 driver and very likely that it's Lewis Hamilton very soon. And I will be convinced they were listening to us and probably has nothing to do with us. No, nothing nothing ever has anything to do with us. But it would be cool to take credit for it. I, If it happens, I'm taking full credit for it. I don't think it's your idea. I think it's Iffy's idea, but you can take all the credit you want. I brought it up. And I just, I, I mean, I let him right to the, to the water, man. So... Mm-hmm. All right. And then Jason also commented on that post and said, crying laughing emoji, my movie watching choices definitely deserve to be put on blast. But like Joe 2 said, you've got to expand your palette. And that's in response to us ragging on him for watching what's a ghost of girlfriends past or whatever yes. the movie was that we watched. So he um he actually sent me a message on Twitter about that and we and he asked for some lifetime recommendations. I pointed him out because, you know, I always bring some fun high school themed ones to high mm-hmm. school slumber parties. So I pointed him out to those and then gave him um uh, wrongly titled because I forgot the name of it, but my favorite lifetime movie of all time is Casualties of Love. Oh the Long Island Lolita story. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that's my, one of my favorite lifetime movies of all time. Yeah. If if Joe gives you a movie recommendation, the like the chance the title is right is just about like seventy percent. I also you, have you all gotta my gotta own Google titles. the plot a little bit to figure yeah. it out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. There's what was we just watched Snowflake Mountain on Netflix and to me that was just outdoor babies. And it's not like actual babies, it's like babies as in like spoiled adults. But did you hear about this? No, I don't know what this is. It's they take like a bunch of like 23 20 to 28 year olds okay they're like spoiled live at home children right and they tell them they're going to like dope influencer island and they just take them camping okay <laughs> and their reactions are pretty much what you'd expect but it's like all of these like very useless mid 20 year olds be- being with like two outdoorsmen and they're like okay today you're gonna like learn how to start a fire with a stick and they're like well we can't do this so it's like naked and afraid or alone but like the opposite yeah it's it's just outdoor babies camping that's that's what it is and um we blew through the show in one day sorry this is like now part of an update but uh we blew through the show in one day and it starts out like you hate all of these people right like they are useless it ends way more wholesome than I ever imagined it could. Like, they, they're they not insufferable forever. Okay. I don't even know how long they're out there for. It feels like two weeks, three weeks. But you see these people, like, change their lives in, like, three weeks. It reminds me, and I know it's not this at all, but it reminds me of that episode of Nathan For You where he's, like, he advertises at the gas station, like, free gas, but you have to go up the mountain. You have to, like, have this, like, personal, spiritual, like, awakening. Do you, did you watch Nathan For You? Do you remember that episode? I remember Nathan For You. I don't remember that episode. It was, like, he advertised a huge sign outside of the gas station and said, like, free gas. And there was, like, a very tiny asterisk. And then all these people were coming inside to pay. And, like, where's my free gas? And they're, like, oh, no, you have to, like, go up a mountain and have your receipt validated and blah, blah, blah. And, like, four people did it. Like, they did this entire, like, one-day excursion to, like, save $35 or whatever. But, like, <laughs> yeah. while they were up there, they all, like, bonded and, like, sort of, like, had a great time. But <laughs> This it, sounds vaguely you know. familiar now. But, yeah, it does. It was very cool. So, 
the t- the tilder is Google Joe's movie recommendations. Is that how we got there? Oh yeah, 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 because, yeah. Just because yeah. I call them different weird yes. things that aren't probably the right title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the email we have is from Wes. Subject line F four and Hans Resurrection. What up, fam? What up, Wes? How are you doing, bud? Says I'm a little behind on the podcast right now. Well, how dare you? But you brought up something in the Tokyo Drift commentary. Oh, you're not that far behind that I wanted no. to write in about because I actually know the answer. You were wondering where in the process the idea for bringing Han back came up. Well, Justin Lin said in that EW podcast last year before F9 came out. I don't remember all the details, but he said after he finished Tokyo Drift, Universal offered him F4. He talked about how he wasn't interested and he felt like Tokyo Drift was this one studio film he would do. and He's ready to go back to making indie movies. Okay. I don't remember if he'd already turned them down or he was planning on it. But he and Sung Kang were driving to San Francisco, and they stopped at an Arby's. I remember Arby's because he said big moments in his life always seem to happen at Arby's, even though he rarely goes. That's weird. Arby's is, like, pivotal to Justin Lin's life. That's they pretty They have cool. the meats and the big moments. I guess, yeah. When they were eating, a group of kids came over and were freaking out about seeing Han from Tokyo Drift. After they got back in the car, Justin said something about it being too bad that killed Han, and Sung made a comment about how he didn't have to be gone. Oh, so it's Sung's idea. Then they hammered out the general idea of how to bring Han back, and he called Universal and said he would do the movie if they could make that happen. So there you go. Thank you, Arby's. Well, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. That yeah. they were just, like, stoked. Some kids were just, like, so stoked that they were like, well, he just fucking... He doesn't have to die. It's a movie, right? So, yeah. yeah so that's shout out cool. to kids and Arby's and San Francisco or whatever. And Sun Kang. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all the emails for today. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, and we will read it on the next episode. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious, the only thing that I have is something that, I, that ties into that story we just told. The Mona Lisa, the Mazda RX-7, is back in F10, Fast X. That is very cool. I'm glad you brought it up, and I'm glad that you posted the picture. In some picture of one of the cars, maybe... Uh, maybe Reaction Rocket tagged us in it, or somebody on Twitter tagged us in one. I could see, like, a hood of what looked like a Han-painted RX-7. Okay. And I mentally made a note of it, and then obviously forgot by the time the episode came out. But yeah, that's awesome that we got it confirmed, and it's very, very cool and iconic. The paint style is great, so, like, yeah, bring back the Veil side. That's very cool. For sure. Uh, Is there any news that you have seen in the last week? No, but... I have been continually haunted by the facts of life. True, that which we is talked about it. Last only makes sense the, on the it's the Patreon bonus episode, but yeah, yeah Joe yeah, is being haunted then, by a thirty-year-old TV show. I am forty-year-old TV watching, show, maybe. Yeah, I said it on the Patreon episode. We've been watching a lot of facts of life. Edna from the Facts of Life was in the last movie we covered. Oh, so this is not Fast and Furious news. This is just podcast ju- news. Po- yeah, podcast adjacent news, and then um, but like it's a 30 year old show that like I was just reintroducing to Rachel because it plays on Logo during the day. Yeah, Tootie from the show was on the Today Show yesterday, so like two days in a row I had the facts of life haunting me. So uh, if you have news that you want to share with us, just tweet uh, tweet at us, like tag us on Twitter or email in or whatever. I think like we're in another like sort of slow lull as they're. I mean, I was remembering, I don't remember, I don't know how I forgot or why I remember, but I was like, oh, right, Brie Larson is going to be in the new movie, too. Like, I feel like we're so focused on, like, Momoa and this and that and whatever, but it's like, yeah, Brie Larson, too. So, Rita Moreno, man, it's going to be good. It's going to be big. I'm excited. With all that casting news, I did not say it for that reason. Is Dwayne Johnson back? Is he coming back? Is is, Is he in Fast X? Nope. The only thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and Furious Minute, the Too Fast, Too Furious Minute. 
thankfully no longer in the pearl. I should have I should have named this minute we're no longer in the pearl or something like that. But <laughs> minute sixty five, I think one of Wes's favorite lines from the movie. I love maybe, it. I'm a low budget mechanic, but I overcharge. She grabbed dude's head. She had to, man. He was testing her. You got to remember, her ass is on the line, just like ours. Now, you feeling this girl way too much. She just like that crazy-ass trailer rat from back in the day, Tanya. Tanya? Man, you went out with her after I did. I mean, I couldn't let it go to waste. I got you, I got you, I got you. Is that right? See, we can race for cash, but when I step on the gas, my nitrous go blast, leave your ass in the past. And Tej, you about to lose your garage. Whatever. I'm a low-budget mechanic, but I overcharge. Pay me. Let's go, man. Give me my money. I told you, man. What's that? happy, man. I'm so glad. This thing is my garage, boy. Royal flush. Give me this, man. Yeah. Y'all talk to him. Talk to him. Damn, you can't play it. Play it for long. Put that money back on the table. You know it's my next hand. Jimmy, how you ever gonna pay me back if you keep losing the Tez like that? How you doing, bro? I'm a crash, Tez. I'll catch you tomorrow. So in this minute now at Tej's garage, Brian and Roman walk over to an outdoor table where Tej, Suki, and Jimmy are playing poker alongside a mystery woman. Yes, that's weird, big. right? This that reminded me of you being like, Hey, there's yep. other people in the room. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, in in the Pearl when we found that other guy for yep. no reason. It just there's more people than we thought. Mm-hmm. I was like, who is this? Because I'm like, is it, is it, my brain first nope. went to Martha, Mirth, no, Kara, Martha, Martha. Kara, Martha. Kara, Martha. Kara, Martha. Called her Kara, yeah, it's the same person, but yeah. we called her Whoever that Kara is, Martha. but like, that's yeah. not this universe. That's the Los Bondoleros. That's the Fast four. and Furious number four. Yeah. So I don't know who this is. Maybe that's No Knees Denise. Yes. And we get another, we get the other reference mm-hmm. to a, a mystery girl. Go yes. ahead. Uh, also in this minute, Brian and Roman talk about Monica's actions at the Pearl as to try to make sense of things. Jimmy brags and freestyles about his poker hand, only to see Tej win with a royal flush. Brian says goodnight to Tej and the group as he heads to bed as night becomes morning in a transition as the minute ends. This is another perfectly timed minute that ends at the end of a scene. I I opened up on Amazon Prime because like I have all the digital copies like linked to my movies anywhere, and so like I have yeah. them all on Prime, and so I opened up because there was a couple subtitle things that I couldn't I couldn't parse, and I was like, oh, like, it just becomes, like, it's a, it's a beautiful transition from, like, the night where they are now into the next morning, literally, you get, like, we get, like, two frames of it in this minute, like, you can barely see it, but we're like, this is another end of the minute, end of the scene, very nicely, succinct, perfect timing, ending, whatever. Yes, very, very nice. But what did you notice here? We are finally not in the Pearl anymore. What, now that we have actual things to look at, what's going on in this scene? Um, we have a new card that we hadn't seen before. Pontiac Sunfire is up on the racks. I got the racks. They are rotary lift racks in Tej's garage. Two interesting things were, why is there a Sobe drink sign on the side of Tej's garage? Makes no sense. Spawn con, baby. Yeah. Sign that they walked by that I couldn't. Uh, make out all the inside wording, okay. but it's for Mercury Outboard Motors. So Tesh's garage is not is on. We know it's on water, right? We we've established that when they yes, had we've boat seen race outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this is more than just a car garage. He's selling boat motors too. So Tesh is is working on anything that moves. Essentially, it feels oh, like this is not true. But I have a uh, fan theory, sort of. You know, in Fate of the Furious, yes. where at the before the Cuban mile, 
Dom is showing Letty that, and he's like, that's a boat engine. She goes, no way. Like, what if yes. that's Tej installing that? Oh. Like, Tej spent time in Cuba, and he he was the one who did the boat engine t- conversion? Yeah, it would be more fun if, like, Tej was no longer in the franchise. Like, I, I want him in the franchise, but, like, it would be more, f- like, if it was just like, oh, where did he go? Like, he's not in the movies anymore. Like, oh, that's his, that's his trademark. He's also good with boat engines. He's, like, doing this, like, mad scientist shit or whatever. But, like, he's around. Like, we don't need to have backstory for, no. for Tej, because he's still here, right? But, like... <laughs> also, this, these are, like, propeller engines for, like, fishing boats, not diesel tugboat engines you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which which is like in the car so i i don't think you could run a car with like a a propeller <laughs> little boat engine but i just thought it was interesting that we've never thought about it before but tej is like we see the jet skis and boats and stuff but like tej apparently sells or supplies or somehow deals with boat engines too weird it's like an all about all around garage that's pretty cool i mean when your thing is circuits yeah all exactly. circuits baby yeah, so then I got a bunch of other signs that are in the shop. I got a bunch of stuff that's on the table, which is kind of confusing. You know, they have dominoes to as paperweights for the cards, but they're playing cards. But okay. I, you know what I mean? Like, they have dominoes, but they're not playing dominoes. They're playing cards, but then some people have their cards under the dominoes. And there's a CD player that's like a portable personal CD player, but they're listening to music. And there's obviously other people around, so there's, like, a sound system go. So, like, was one person at the table listening to their own music in the middle of a party while they were playing cards slash dominoes? It doesn't make any sense. There's three solo cups and one, like, plastic cup in a can that might be Sobe. I, w- I would assume it would be Sobe since we just passed the Sobe sign, but I don't know. The most fascinating thing that I'm glad that you caught, too, was that there's a mystery woman at this poker table that we don't see her face of. I think that that's a great candidate for the question, and I'm glad that you already had it as one of our options. Obviously, this podcast has spent a lot of time, and by this podcast, I mean you and me, have spent a lot of time talking about No Knees Denise, because that one line, throwaway line of Furious 7, it's just like, wait, what? But here, we, and this is something we I, knew about. I like about. that, too. I, I definitely like that as an option, too, because that would be easy to make answers for, like, who is he talking about? Like, no, mm-hmm. he's Denise, and well, her hood and that named Tanya, right? Yeah, that crazy-ass trailer rat from back in the day, Tanya. And Brian says, Tanya, man, you went after, you went out with her after I did. And he says, I'm, I mean, I couldn't let her go to waste, which is, you know, weird and kind of gross, but also a little funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have no knees Denise, we have Tanya, maybe, I mean... I would imagine the way they're talking about each, Tanya and Denise probably know each other. There's a high likelihood that I didn't think about till you just brought that up, bud. Yeah. From school, but I mean, if they knew both of them, like, there's right. a good chance that they had met at some point. Because yeah. if we think about it right now, like, in, in 2003 in the movie, if we've moved forward or whatever, like, they're, like, 22, 23-ish. Like, there's not, like, a huge window. Like, if they met in, you know, juvie when they were, like, 12 or whatever, like, there's not a ton of time. 12 that- is early, too. I'm, I'm thinking, like probably minimum 14 right for yeah so like that's it's just high school like it's just the way that they're talking yeah. about it like it yeah. just feels like this is the same period of time that they're both in bars they're both wherever right like it just yeah i still think like the funniest thing to me and it's not supposed to be funny but like you know jimmy's so confident he's gonna win this poker hand and then Ted's just like nah man royal flush the odds of getting a royal flush in poker are one in 2.598 million hands yeah so I that feel makes like sense Tej is probably cheating Maybe he, the only like thing I can logic out of that this that doesn't help much is that he got a straight flush, not a royal flush, 
And Who, he Jimmy? said Royal... F- no, Tej. Oh, no. I, I feel like... So there was a, an episode of The Simpsons... Oh, by the way, I did. this is another TV update in the middle of this. Uh, I'm now in season 12 of The Simpsons, 5 of King of the Hill, and I started Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I'm not liking yet. Do you watch Curb? Have you watched Curb? I've watched episodes of Curb, and... It was never as good as Seinfeld to me. It's like, not I, the kind of comedy that I like. I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick around for a while at least, but like, it's not clicking because it's it's not like Seinfeld. It's not. It's absolutely not. It's something completely different. I have friends that loved it, yeah. loved it when it was on, love it still. Uh, it didn't hit as hard for me because I think Larry David's a better writer than actor. Yeah, well, it's it's just like the whole like what he's doing, like what he's good at as an actor is not what I enjoy. Like the whole awkward situation, like it's not awkward in a Jerry kind of like where it's like they're getting themselves. And it, it is, but it's not. Like it's it's to describe it, it sounds the same. I don't know. People have seen the reason I bring this up now, not to talk about Kurt, okay. but in an episode of The Simpsons I just watched, they're playing poker, and he's like, "Oh, I have four aces. Like I just win." And they're like, "No, man, straight flush." And just like, well, in that case, like yeah, like you you would think that you would win everything with four aces because like what hand's gonna be the only thing that beats it is a, is a straight flush you can't have a royal flush i mean to get yeah. nerdy a royal flush is a straight flush whatever but yes yeah with four aces you can have a royal flush because the aces are all gone but you know straight flush trumps it so like i think the idea is just like well jimmy is so confident he won but he could just be like oh yo i've got three three of a kind or whatever and he's like no man i got whatever i got a full house or whatever right like it doesn't have to be yeah the, the fact that it's a royal flush is so over the top and like flamboyant in a way where it's just like come on man like be realistic like in a movie that like we have not jumped the yes. shark in terms of like going to space or whatever yes. right <laughs> yeah. the fact that yes, he's getting yes. a royal flush in a casual poker game is almost the most unbelievable thing in the entire franchise yeah, and if it happened, and you're playing cards with anybody that's played cards before, you'd be like, holy fuck, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime mm-hmm. thing, essentially. And he's not even, like, excited about it. He's just happy And he that wins, he's like, $6. Yeah. It's, like, ones, so it's not even, like... Unless they're playing with, like, what is it, like, a pinochle deck, where it's, like, only, like, 7 through queen, or 7 through ace, or whatever? Like, you know, oh, like, yeah. There's, like, different card games that don't use all the cards, but, like, you can still buy a deck of those... Where like they don't have like the whatever cards like maybe it's just that like maybe there's like a bunch of like like a royal flush is easier who knows I don't know that's there's no indication of that I'm just trying to make sense of like the most outrageous thing that's ever happened in the franchise is Tej getting a royal flush casually on like a Friday night yeah. while he's playing cards and Brian goes to bed and Brian sees it and goes yep I'm going to bed yep oh you got a royal flush cool man I'm going to bed yeah. <laughs> He drove Roman. I guess Roman's car's there, but she's like, "Hey, man, like, good luck getting home or whatever, right?" Just like, "I'm going to bed." Isn't Ro- Roman sleeping at the garage at this point? Oh, right. Yeah, I guess they're both Ro- home, but like, he sleeps in the garage and Brian sleeps on the boat outside. Did you did you see? So in the background, there's a table of six people, three people standing, three people sitting, doing something. Who knows? But then to the right of them, there's like two men talking over like what look like big like ink like laser printers. Do you see these or no? There's some garage tool that i'm not sure what they were and i think we found them in the in another minute when we were looking at it i'm not sure what it is could be like something to feel cool in. i don't, I don't know it, but it's it's some garage tool they kind of look like big ass print i'm like there's no way they there's do. no reason yes. that's printers but they look like printers yeah they do they're like a big plastic square rectangle box type situation about weight well, like waist height, no, even higher than that. Like it's maybe like, like, it's like the bottom high. is at like waist height. Like it's just basically like chest height is the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it, but I couldn't make out like anything on the side of it or, or figure out what it is, and I don't know what it what place it has in a garage. 
it's like industrial garage shit. Like I've seen them at garages. I've never played with one or figured out or like seen one have to be used. So. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, there's music in the background. Did you were you able to tell what music it was or no? Because it's, it's it's too quiet. Like I can't pick it up. I can't even pick up lyrics. What's going on here? No, I can give it another listen though. That was something that like I I wasn't. Super we we can do it later. On. It's not a Hold big on. deal. They also might have like some movies, and I don't know. I don't think I started the, started the scene. I think I just jumped in the middle. Uh, some movies will like have in the closed captioning what song starts, so maybe I'll look yes. there. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, if there's sure. one that does it or not. So okay. Any other thoughts before we get to the trivia question, or you want to do the trivia question? I'm so glad we're out of the Pearl. Yeah. It was cool to be back. This is a great scene. I love the MC Jin rapping thing. Oh, that was the other thing. I found um, the hoodie that he's wearing. Oh, yes, the Rough Riders hoodie, right? You, you made a Yeah, yeah, it's yep. a Rough okay, Riders cool. logo. Um, they don't sell the same sweatshirt anymore, obviously, but um, you could buy a Rough Riders hoodie, which is actually fucking awesome. Cool. There's a black one. If it's zipped up, I would I would really really be tempted to buy one. But they're pullover hoodies, and you could still get Rough Riders hoodies apparently. Cool. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know. I can't place what the next scene is. Like I know what's left in the movie, but I don't know what's immediately next. Yeah, I I can't tell you either. I I couldn't because we have like a decent amount left, but we are in the home stretch, so I don't know. Who knows? But we'll find out yeah. next week on the next episode. Okay, so for the trivia question, I have three here. I feel like after being trapped in the pearl, literally and metaphorically, and struggling to come up with questions, we could do more than one if we think there's more than one. But here's the trivia questions. What's the name of the, quote, crazy-ass trailer rat that both Brian and Roman dated? The name is Tanya. I really like that, yeah. What hand does Tej have that beats Jimmy in the poker game, which I think is kind of easy. We might not want to do that, but that's a royal flush. Yes. And then how many people are at the poker table when Brian and Roman arrive at Tej's garage? And the answer is four. I think that this is actually a good candidate to have, too, because uh, I really do enjoy so drop the So drop the middle one, though, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah. So I need four. I need. We can do Denise. We can do Denise, Tanya. Tanya. Kara. Okay. Kara Murtha. And um, they mentioned one other girl, and I can't fucking remember her name. Like earlier? Yeah, I feel like it was like right when they like met at the demolition derby. I feel like they... Mentioned a different girl. I don't remember her name, though. I'm looking back through it now. Do they? Does that sound familiar to you? They, I mean, not really, but... Yeah, I feel like at some point in the movie, they mentioned another girl's name, too, because we were like, oh, like, look, they... I feel like they were... I was like, they have another thing. So, like, the Denise thing is like a running joke because we heard them, and I don't know if it was this, the Tanya thing when we did the movie, or if it was another minute that we heard a name. I just got to the part where it's like... Both you girlies shut up when, you know, not great dialogue there. But while while I continue to look for this, what number should we do for the poker table? Should we just do three, four, five, six? E, I think two, three, four, five. Two, three, four, five. Okay. Because it's definitely Tej and, and Jimmy. You probably remember Suki's there, so you're like, ah, okay, it's three. That puts three in the middle, but it's actually four because the weird girl's there, and you're like, it's definitely not five. But it could be five, and if you remember the weird girl, you're like, is there another one, too? Okay, so we can do that. I'm looking, I'm still looking. I don't see another girl's name. So we just need, just give me a fourth name. Monica? Then. Monica. We can do, Mo well, that's, that's kind of easy, but that's also fine. It felt familiar. It felt like there was another one. So for minute 65, I'm a low-budget mechanic, but I overcharge. Two questions. What's the name of the crazy-ass trailer rat that both Brian and Roman dated? And the, the answer is Tanya. And how many people are at the poker table when Brian and Roman arrive at Tej's garage? The answer is four. 
Those are good questions. They're yeah. tough but fair. Tough but and fair. And definitive. And yeah. definitive. Joe, let's take a break and let us come back and let us talk about Logan Lucky. Episode number 245, Logan Lucky. This episode's brought to you by Target. Their good and gather, steam and bag, cut cauliflower is a steal of a deal. Shout out to Target. Well, shout out to Target. And before we talk about Logan Lucky, before we introduce our guest, Joe, we got a very important, we got a new email since we started the episode. YouTube comment, but not the original, not, not what you're thinking, but also not not what you're thinking. For some reason... I don't know why our Tokyo Drift lap three episode has like six hundred thousand views. Yes, I don't know why it's one that just like it. it I don't like people don't Makes watch no it; sense. they just click on it. Whatever. It's an anomaly. Yeah. But on that video just now, the the account gaming for you simply says, "WTF is this?" This is a new trend, uh, <laughs> Brian. I will introduce you in a second. That like. People keep commenting, what is this, on our YouTube video, when, like, literally in the title of every video, it says it podcast. It starts, yeah. It's very clearly a podcast. It says podcast everywhere you look. But people are just like, what is this? All angry. So, just want to share the, the exciting news. Share the good word. New email. Shout out to Gaming for you. But with us tonight, returning guest. So, Joe, I don't know if you know the, the backstory here. I mean, we loved having this guy on the first time, but he was on... Not our first episode. Was it our first episode? I don't remember how the show works. He was on an episode of 1999, the podcast, with me and John Brooks, because he has oh. a whole Star Wars empire. Pun intended? Maybe? And so we're like, oh, I want to have him back on, because we had him on for a core movie, and we learned yes. about him as a taxi driver driving around Avengers around New York City, mm-hmm. yep. but we did not have him on a, a pit stop, and so he is here one of the hosts of the Return of the Pod, we have back to the show, Brian Silliman. Hello, Brian. Hi, how are you guys? Welcome back to the show. We are good. Thank you for joining us once yeah. again. Thank you for have. having me. And so when we had this moment, and Phantom Menace was episode two, I forgot. The Matrix was first, Phantom Menace was second. I was like, oh, here's the list of movies. And you right away chose Logan Lucky, which, great pick. But what is your history of this movie? Do you like this movie? Do you love this movie? Have you been wanting to see the movie? What is your history with Logan Lucky? I love this movie. Um, I saw it in the theater when it came out. I, get, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was such a flop. I was only reading about it today. And I, I, I saw it in the theater. And I, I guess it was one of the few who saw it in the theater. I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I did too, yeah. And and I mean, I, I don't. I remember going in. Not even. I don't even think I knew it was Soderbergh, even though I, I like his movies. I just the trailer was so crazy between whatever Daniel Craig was doing and Adam Driver and and the rest. I was just like, I was sold. So I went with with a couple friends, and I, and I loved it. We had a, such a great time. But I hadn't revisited it until you had showed me the list of, of, of the movies that you were covering. Mm-hmm. And that one stuck out as like, as one that I've seen one that I really loved and one that I've been me- meaning to revisit for the longest time. So I just watched it again and I had it even better to, I was, this is even better that I remembered it. It's just so 
wonderful and tight and fun, and it's just a little bit of everything. I'm a huge fan of it. I will say that the theme that I saw among my letterboxed friends who were reviewing this movie was that everybody, it seemed that people, a lot of people were watching it a second time, and almost across the board, every review was just like, I don't know what I was thinking. This movie's even better than I thought. Or, like, I liked it even more the second time. It's just kind of grows. I feel like that's probably true of a lot of Soderbergh, because I think he's amazing at what he does. But it's it's so good. Anyway. No, it, it was. I just I had just forgotten. It, there was a lot of movies coming out then, I see, or what, and, and it just kind of... It's not that I liked it any less. I just... I, it sounds terrible. I just, guess I just kind of forgot. And so revisiting it, I was, I, I was like, oh, yes, I remember. This was this was fantastic. And um, and if you're talking about heist movies, man, does it get overlooked? Yeah, it's, it should have its place. Well, I also feel like it's the it's the thing where it's even overshadowed in his own filmography because he did the Oceans movies and Out of Sight. And like he's yep. done all these other yep. more sort of high profile heist movies. Ab- that you, it absolutely. Gets buried. Yeah. But Joe, yeah. it's surprising to me that you saw this in theaters. I remember seeing it in theaters, and my experience is very much like Brian's. It, it's almost word for word the same. That like I remember seeing it in theaters with Rachel. I remember us being like, "That was a blast." I really liked that movie, and then I totally forgot about it. Like just, you know, like I remember enjoying it, but then I like hadn't thought about it in a while. I couldn't tell you what happened in the movie besides like Channing being in it. So then when I rewatched it today, I was like, this is a great movie. I yep. don't know why people don't talk about this movie more often because it's really good. It's really fun. The cast is great. Like we were just talking about on the Hot Rock, it, it, play, it toes the line nicely between like it's comedic and kind of goofy but also enjoyable and a tight heist movie mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. good and has fun stunts and interesting ways to do things like, like, the, like they all kind of play a little bumbly but it works and – I love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan. So I saw this in theaters as well, three for three. I feel like that's rare that us and the guests yeah. have all seen the movie in theaters. But then we did this again because we did Cinemakers, the podcast on the network that like literally no one heard. But the first season was me and Mike with Tobin, and we talked about the films of Steven Soderbergh. So I watched it again for that. I think I saw it probably one other time as well. And then we were going to do it for Magic Mike's, but we stopped the podcast before we got there. But it was another yeah. one where just like, we know that Channing's career at a certain point hits a point where like, Every movie is a blast, and this is right yes. in there with that, and yep. so that's why we picked him. I do want to make one more quick little note before we talk about the movie. So Brian did mention that this was kind of a flop in theaters. It only made $7 million its opening weekend, budget of 29 But the exciting thing, the background, I don't know if either of you know this. I'm assuming Joe doesn't. Brian, you might. The financing of this movie was like revolution. So Steven Soderbergh always mm. does weird things, kind of just like to buck the system, but also just to see if he can do it. He shot, like, multiple movies on iPhones. He's done this. He's done that. Whatever. But this one, he basically sold off all the rights to different things so that he would have complete creative control. So, like, to raise the money for this movie, he sold off foreign distribution rights. And he sold off, like, TV rights and HBO rights and video on demand or whatever. And so, like, he was pre-selling all of this stuff so he could have the money so he didn't have to go through, you know, a big studio so he could make the movie he wanted to make. And eventually Universal picked it up for distribution here, whatever. Because of that, he was able to do this thing. And, like, even though it didn't make a lot of money, it was still, like, relatively successful because of this, like, creative way that he did it. And so he sort of always, like, worked around the studio system or, like, been this kind of, like, visionary indie director, both, like, in front of the camera and, like, whatever. whatever. It's this weird kind of, like, he figured out a way to make a movie without having to go to Universal and having, like, producers be like, well, we think it would be great if instead of Adam Driver, you cast, like, um, Tom Cruise or, like, you know, like, one of those kind of things, just like, no, this is the movie I want to make. I'm going to make that. So it's true. It flopped. But 
it was creatively financed, and I think it was still successful because it still made worldwide like forty eight million bucks. So it's not like a ton of money, but made more than the budget. Who knows how that all panned out in the end? But you know, Soderbergh's still making movies, so yeah. it, it makes sense because there are things in here, and as you just mentioned, the casting. You know they're big. They're big for us. But is there anyone you know, Tom Cruise caliber, that's going to anchor a, a thing like this? Maybe not. But there are creative choices made in this movie. Some really wacky choices. That's part of its charm and part of why I love it so much that it doesn't ever play like studio notes the movie. So I'm glad they did it that way because I think there are a lot of things that wouldn't have wouldn't be in the end product if it had been another way. If for sure, yeah, like that control. Adam Driver and Channing Tatum playing a duo right like how that feels very random in my head like as much as like they're kind of the same age cool like those are two dudes i would have never put together yeah also my favorite scene in the movie which i'm sure we'll get to is which is one that i forgot when i rewatched it i was like oh yeah this is my favorite scene in the whole movie and it none neither of the two of them are in it i forgot it was even in there i'm sure that would not have been in there there's just there's a wackiness and uh and uh, it's it's almost um coen brothers in a way sure it um just not quite but a little bit in that it's it's wacky they're not as they're constantly underestimated and they shouldn't be and yet there's this heart to mm-hmm. it there's this incredible heart so if you have not seen the movie yet it's on hulu to stream for free so go do that because it's great but mm-hmm. a quick plot summary is trying to reverse a family curse brothers jimmy and clyde logan set out to execute an elaborate robbery during the legendary Coca-Cola 600 race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And so, like we said, it's Channing Tatum and Adam Driver as brothers. Their sister, uh, our beloved Riley Keough, granddaughter oh of Elvis God, Presley. Yeah. She's wonderful yeah. in this. And right off the bat here, we get the universal opening. I'm like, okay, cool. so it could be in the Fast and Furious universe. I remember yeah. that. That's cool. <laughs> I was thinking something like you guys are right at home. <laughs> and then, like five minutes or ten minutes in, Katie Holmes' husband is just like, you know, I'm going to bring them to the new Furious Fast movie. I'm like, Wait, what? Yep. I totally didn't remember, and there's a direct quote that they know Fast and Furious exist in this movie. Now, I remembered the reference to the Game of Thrones, the whole, like, trying to get the books yes, to the prison same. library. I remembered yep. that because, especially, we, come, we, we talk about in Hobbs and Shaw, them making multiple Game of Thrones jokes, and it's it not working already, and this that's two years after this. This is still funny, I think, but I remembered that, like oh, like, that is a weird reference, like, that might not hold up, and then here it's just like, oh, shit, like, I was just thinking about, you know, a car movie by Universal, easy crossover, but then they're talking about it, so, like, maybe not a crossover, if those are movies in this universe, Dominic Toretto can also exist in this universe, or maybe they can, maybe yes. they're documentaries, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminds me of the, um, of the episode of The League, when they're talking about Batman, and he's like, you know, the crime fighter Batman, there's been like three documentaries in the past Uh decade. And they're like, what are documentaries? Like non-pornographic movies. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, every movie is a documentary if you try hard enough and believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Maybe Fast and Furious is real. It it, it would, Dom would, would, would get to the point, 15, you know, Fast and Furious 20, because they say they're stopping. No, they're not. I have a say in it. They're not, they're, they'll, they'll stop when I say that. They, they'll, they'll, they're <laughs> they get to like 2021. It would then, you'd have to do a flip the script mockumentary style interlude where they're making the movie about themselves. And so, oh. yeah, so it's it's this double thing. And of course, Toretto would have to direct 
a Vin Diesel stand in, in his own movie because Toretto would end up, you know, because a kid can never direct too hard or too slow. <laughs> and there's so many cuts or whatever. It's like, and, and so, yeah, that's my, it's my take. That's why it's not only does actual Dom Toretto exist in this universe, but so does F- Fast and Furious movies. Brian, you just blew my mind that, that there's a possibility that we could get like, what, like a Halloween uh, well, like, like We need like a Wes Craven's new nightmare, but we need Dominic Toretto's new Furious. Yeah, because it's it's at the point where you now have to take it to every genre. Sure. Because we're, yeah. we're, past, we're past space where I'm convinced Narnia is going to happen. And <laughs> after that, it's, you know, what what different forms and, and, and genres do we have? Western mockumentary. It's it's um you know something that's spray painted on the side of a bus. Just keep them coming. Don't yeah. stop. Never stop. Never I don't stop. I want them to ever stop. We also have of particular note a new actor. I don't know if you know he was. This is his first movie. We're introducing Daniel Craig as Joe Bang. <laughs> Both the credits in the movie and the posters introduce him because he. Looks nothing like Daniel Craig. I mean, he looks exactly like Daniel Craig, but he's got bleach blonde hair and tattoos yeah. all over his body and like this yep. real deep southern accent. And it's wonderful. It's so it, it's it's just really some kind of something. I don't really know what it is he's doing, but it is a capital C choice mm-hmm. in a way that's completely different from what he does with Benoit Blanc in Knives Out. It's, you know, a, a, a another southern fried character with an over-the-top accent that could easily go wrong they're two characters just like that yet they, these are very different and and they both work and they're not the same at all i was it's, yeah it's yeah. kind of incredible that i'm like it's not fair that you're also able to do this excuse me <laughs> sir stop please i feel like we have heard this a lot in Nicolas cage movies where like he showed up to set like especially like on peggy sue got married where his uncle francis check out uncle francis's wine cellar the new podcast on the network by Brian, this Brian, Brian Rodriguez and Mike Manzi, but he like showed up on Peggy Sue got married. He's like, I'm going to do this weird, crazy voice. And they're like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, I am. Or like, you're going to like, and the studio was like, we're going to fire you if you don't stop that. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. And like, he still did it anyway. So like, there's been like a history of dudes being like, this is what I'm going to do. Well, that's Brando on Dr. Moreau. like, I'm wearing mm-hmm. an ice bucket on my head. It's like, no, he's, <laughs> he's not serious. And then sure enough, mm-hmm. Cut is like, there's that ice bucket on his head. They're like, why? It's like, oh, keep my head cool. Yeah. <laughs> what i want to do okay well he makes a good point so it was the least of that movie's problems but anyway um, that's a, yeah, that's a I imagine an actor I, I imagine how how if daniel craig just showed up and soderbergh just said do whatever you want well apparently just, there's, so one of the very, have you. there's not very much interesting trivia about this movie but there is one bit that says and i don't know why there's not more trivia because i feel like it's a recent movie with big actors and a big yeah, director yeah, and like yeah. it should be more but Apparently, Daniel Craig had no rules in terms of, like, what his character was supposed to look like, so he just kind of showed up, or he, like, he dyed his hair and, like, added some, like, fake tattoos or whatever, and he sent Soderbergh a picture. He's like, all right, let's just add some more tattoos. So, like, it was, like, super, <laughs> like, it, apparently it was Daniel Craig's idea, and Soderbergh's like, yeah, man, cool, like, let's just, like, raise it a little bit. So, you know, it's not Brando being difficult on set, Nicolas Cage. No, no. It was difficult. No, it's just, it, this is, this is the thing that, it, it, it's working. This, this is, I, I, I mean, Brent, Brent that was the extreme version of unprofessionalism cage is is in his own way being the crazy jazz actor that he is and it's like you know i'm gonna do what i want because i'm following the muse or whatever daniel craig and that everything you just said that's completely professional so it's yeah it's, it's not like if soderbergh had said no he said all right i'll find something yeah. else you know yeah. so, um, 
the one thing I was thinking while watching this, Joe, was that we, you know, all lap long, Brian, we've been talking about how how many heist movies can we watch where before we get tired of them? Like, even if they're great movies, at a certain point, it's like, okay, it's another heist movie that we, we know how it works. But, like, what's new about this one that we haven't seen yet, I don't think, this lap, is that they give up the money. I mean, spoiler, they don't. But there's a moment in this where you're like, oh, no, like, they did the heist. It worked, but they, like, gave it up. It's like, oh, and that's new. Like, that's a different spin on it that we haven't seen, I don't think, this lap. Yeah, they give up most of it. I mean, he pays off the people that helped that were pivotal. He donates some of it to a clinic. Mm -hmm. He really just wanted to have a house closer to where his daughter was, and he still has a job. So it really wasn't about the money. It was kind of about even even after the fake out of giving it all away and and having it back. Yeah, it, it's hard, especially after uh, it's hard to watch a heist movie now, having watched that Rick and Morty episode that absolutely yeah. yes. slices and dices heist episodes. But this one is it, still, I think, stays one step ahead of it. And you're not expecting it to, to go some of the places it goes, especially because it's not slick. These guys are not hip and cool. That's the major thing that makes this stand That's fair. out. It's not like, oh, yeah, we got, you know, we got the, the French uh, Vincent Cassell on the roof and we're going to bust him out at the right moment. And, you know, it's even though the, those have their place and are a lot of fun, that this is apart from that. So the characters in the movie don't know what to expect, but you as the viewer don't know either. You don't know if they're going to suddenly be stupid or if they're just underestimated. Joe, do you think this, like, was this, like, a, does it, does this fit in the, like, variations on the twit, on the, on the, on the theme that we've seen this lap so far? What do you mean? Like, in the structure of a heist movie? Well, I mean, like, we were just talking about with Hot Rock, we're like, oh, well, like, you know, it's a heist movie, but there's actually, like, four or five heists in that movie, where it's, like, the same kind of, like, it's a, it's a, it's the same core thing, like, it's a heist movie, yeah, but, like, there's differences, like, was this, was this another, is it different enough to sort of continue that tradition that we accidentally stumbled into? I do, and I couldn't put my finger on what it was, and I think Brian just summed it up there, that, like, you don't have a super cool guy. Like, in every other heist movie, you have a guy that's, like, that's the, like, cool, badass one. And, like, even, like, Channing in this, his character's not, like, a super cool, suave, right. it's-all-gonna-go-right kind of guy, or, like, he has a plan-for-everything type situation. They're They're kind of bumbling through it, and I think that's definitely the charm of it, is that you have, like more of a ragtag bunch but they're all ragged it's there's like there's no one that's really like the glue of the like oh well this guy's running it and the other guys are gonna screw it up because they're idiots it's like they're all competent but also idiots so yeah it works it works great i not so much of the like giving quote unquote giving the money back or losing the money because i feel like we kind of get that in like fake outs in oceans 11 we kind of get that even in uh, what Fast and the Furious five with the tank through Rio and like the tank swap, these kind of things like that part we've seen before, but more so at like failing and working, but like in a new interesting way with the like vacuum tubes and stuff like that. So I do think there was something new and interesting here, and uh, that's why I enjoyed it so much. So apparently the vacuum tubes were I haven't I've not seen the original but the vacuum tubes smug uh well yeah the vacuum tubes were in this movie Eleven Harrow House from 1974 using okay. cockroaches to find the vault access and vacuuming out the loot were plot devices there so I don't know Brian do you know that movie I don't know 
That's new to me. And then also in the original Ocean's Eleven, smuggling loot out as garbage was used in that movie too. So like Soderbergh, obviously, we were just talking about with the Hot Rock. It seems like that probably directly inspired a bunch of his movies, but he's like sort of throwing back to movies. that Obviously, you've seen the original Ocean's yeah. Eleven, I'm sure, a million times. He's yeah. like, oh, these are cool things that like paying lineage, paying homage, but also putting my own twist on it and like. It's just, it's just cool. It just, it works in this world. It also, it makes me, made me think of um, Ocean's Thirteen a little bit. Whereas it's not the entire heist, but a lot of it is giving money to everyone in the casino, and that's they just want to take this guy down. They don't want to really take his money or anything. So the way they do that is by giving it, having everyone win in this magical couple of minutes. So they make off with, with other things that he has, of course, but. I, that's one of the th- one of the reasons I like that particular movie so much is is that it's they're not the ones getting the money they're giving it to all of these other people, and like those movies too, um, which is something that you were just saying. This is what sets this apart from not only is there like no cooler than thou hero or or something like that. Yeah. It, it's not like a heist that you'd see even even in Fast and Furious or something out of certainly not out of something like Grand Theft Auto because I don't think you see a single gun in this whole movie. No, there is, ah, not, a, there is not. A, there is not a gun, it, and the oceans movies don't rely on that either. There's one point I think it's also in thirteen where a gun is drawn, and it's and and Damon can't believe it. He's like, "A gun, really? That's not what we do." Right. And it turns out it's 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 not even loaded. It was just a trick because these guys are you know it's against their professional code or something. But in this movie, not a single gun, and even Joe Bang, he doesn't even use the B word. He uses gummy bears and science to make yeah. his reaction yeah. go off. So there's not his explosive isn't even, you know, an actual explosive like that. There's no knives, guns, weaponry of any kind. I don't think there's even a fight unless. Well, there is. There's the um, The fight. I I, I, I take it back. There is the the Molotov cocktail going into Seth MacFarlane's car. Um, But when they call. But that's not even like a, a weapon in the sense that we see weaponry like that's just like a byproduct that he blows up his car just to yeah. be an asshole. Like, it's and not like he's, like, attacking you don't see him. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and you see the... You just see him reach for the bottle and the rag and ask for a lighter, and you know what's going to happen. And because it's Adam Driver, you're immediately excited. And that character has it coming. But but cer- certainly, he gets a broken nose at the end and really milks it. So that's as far as it goes in terms of... It, it just... I didn't realize that it's... In a lot of ways, it's just quite non-violent. And um, no security guards. Getting, well, except there, there is some definitely beat him up in the prison riot. But still, but even in there, it's it's not as bad as yeah, many it seems, other it seems movies that have prison riots. Yeah, especially in when it comes to which you already mentioned it, but my favorite scene in the whole movie, which I completely forgot about, the negotiations, which I couldn't believe was. It's just you expect a couple minutes of this, and it goes on so long, and I love it. Because they just keep going with it. With the well, that's the thing where, like, I remember seeing, because I'm always, like, maybe not in the moment, but thinking back about the movie. I think we probably talked about it on Cinemakers, where we're just like, this is so of the time with the Game of Thrones stuff, where it's like, is this going to hold up? Because it firmly dates it in a time. But, like, still yes. the fact that this is now five years later, those books are still not out. People are still making <laughs> the same complaints about them. And it's it's funny and well-written. It's not Hobbes calling his daughter, you know nothing, Jon Snow. It's like, all right, like, I get it. But like, nobody's thinking about that. But the fact, like, I, I think weirdly, in a sense, because the the final season turned people off, I think the, the thing that's going to 
sort of persist in culture in a weird way is the fact that the book's never finished more so than the TV show at all. Yes. And so the fact that that's what they're joking about and the fact that it's like so smartly and funnily written, it, it just works in a way that like... I was sort of dreading that scene in a way, and then it came up, and I was like, oh, no, this is still great. It, it's great because the way the warden deals with it, and the, and the warden is, is such a great character with a great runner. I mean, he's not a good man. I mean, he's a horrible Yeah, 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 man, exactly. But the performance is fantastic. But as he's trying to, he wants to give them this, and he's just flat out very bluntly and dryly saying that the book has not been released yet. And then they're like, but people coming in, they're they're telling us stuff. He's like, that information has been gained by the television show. The television show has gone on past the books. Now they're making it up. They are past the books. And the way that he's just very dryly laying this out and obviously reading it. And he says he's reading it from Wikipedia. And then the the prisoners just are not having it. They're like, that's in what world would that happen? They're not believing it. They're not, happy about it and that that still rings true for me as somebody who still honestly really likes all of the game of thrones series and and doesn't really expect the books to ever happen it's still it's it's the the delivery of the lines that that makes it funny that these guys care that much about this thing and that the warden just really just with a blank face has to say these things and would just points out what the actual situation is it works so well in conjunction with the the inmate and i don't remember if that's name in there because I, I know that they pay off name at the end for starting the ride i don't remember if it's the same guy or not but the way that he like puts his hands up and walks away just like it's the man once again keeping us down lying to us feeding us yeah. bullshit <laughs> yep. it's like no like I'm, I'm telling you the truth here like they're no, not it says out. right here on wikipedia that the show has gone past the books and and now they're just they're they're going for it's like no they told us about the girl with the dragons it's like again they got that information from the show the winds of winter has not been released nor has a dream of spring um, George R. R Martin has fatigue from other projects and has said that and it's all the things we've already read a million times it's, it's the way this it's the way the actor reads it really the warden and the the ongoing joys of the warden. I forgot about the whole prison riot sequence in general. So when that started, I was like, oh, right, this is this is a part of this. Well, I think what, what works about this movie, and I think, you know, it's it's your praise of Dwight Yoakam's performance as the warden. It's just that, like, I think yeah. what Soderbergh does well in his movies that I think that other movies sometimes do, but, like, other movies don't do as well as Soderbergh consistently, is that the heist works because they are they're counting on the personality types of the people that they need to do. They know that running into Seth MacFarlane at the end underground is not going to be an issue because he's a douchebag that is like going to be unreliable. They have an, they have an alibi. They know yeah. that the warden does not want to get in trouble. He doesn't want to do this or that or whatever. So he's probably not going to report this. They're going to be like, it's all these things that like our heroes, our protagonists are not the smartest people, but they know people and they have a, an idea of like what's going to shake out. And like it it works like they're able to play on the fact that these guys are stubborn or dumb or arrogant or whatever. And it all goes according to plan because it's a movie, but like it just works so well. And like those characters, the flaws that are written into them, they just, they play out beautifully. Yeah. And while they, they don't have it, they, they themselves are not in slick tuxes and, and, and looking as hot as Jennifer Lopez and say out of sight. And they're not all, you know, you shook Sinatra's hand, you should know better and all that stuff with the with the with out of sight and the oceans movies and everything else. What they do still have, though, is is Soderbergh and the editor's wonderful sense of cutting and, yep. and quick cuts and, and making it. Yep. Giving it the, the speed and urgency 
and stakes of a heist, even without the slickness and everything else. So they feel like like heroes on a heist without all of the usual things that come along with it. And that's it's I don't want to say that's a little subversive because I'm sure other movies do that. But for here, it's a huge part of the charm. Yeah. And it makes it clear. Yeah, they, they may not be. This is what what do they call this? Ocean 7-Eleven. Ocean 7-Eleven or the Hillbilly Heist. They, they call them both. Yeah. Yeah, they, they might be hillbillies, but they get the job done. Mm-hmm. And in very smart and innovative ways that none of these people see coming, except for Hillary Swank still on the case. Which she it's, it's wonderful that she shows up with like 25 minutes to go and she's so good, but we'll get to her. So, uh, yeah, I remember I was like, what is she doing here? <laughs> she's like she's like sixth or seventh build. Like she's really high up in the credits and she doesn't show up for like more than 90 nope. minutes into this two hour, two hour movie. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. OK, so each episode this lap, Brian, we are choosing a character. We are assembling our ultimate heist team, which we're going to do something with at the end of the lap. But each movie we watch. We're not. We're each going to nominate one person, one character from the movie that we want that we think merits inclusion on a heist team. So our last episode we did was Fast and Furious Six. Mm. So I nominated Ja, the Joe Tasm character. Joe nominated Dom, and our guest Ify Wadiway nominated Tej. And so with eighty percent of the votes, Tej is the winner. So our patrons picked Tej as the winner for the team. But we're each going to have our own team at the end. But if you were picking someone from Logan Lucky, someone from this movie that you think would bring something to a heist that either is hard to come by or invaluable or they're just great at their job, who would you pick from Logan Lucky? Who would you want? Who who deserves inclusion on our ultimate heist team? It's tough because I'm trying not to go with my favorite character, even though my choice is going to all. I have like three favorite characters in this movie. It's very okay. hard. To, also, is, is is Dwight Yoakam's warden gonna gonna be on the team? No. It's is he one of the highlights of the movie for me? Yes. Um, but he's <laughs> he's not on the team. So th- as much as I there's like a tie for favorite character. If I'm really going and picking out who would I want on a heist team that's going to be able to pull out some crazy results out of nowhere, mm-hmm. I gotta go Joe Bang. Sure. That's that's me too, dude. I'm a hundred percent with you. I gotta go Joe Bang. He looks unassuming, but also like he does. He knew... look unassuming. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, he can't when he's in bed and that nurse is looking at him. It's like true. he can play that's the fair. part of unassuming. You know, nobody ever. He was in and out. Nobody ever knew. Oh, we need an explosive last minute. Well, what do we have around here? Well, here's some gum. Here's he can MacGyver stuff. He wrote out the the fucking chemistry. The power of, how of science. The, yeah, yeah. The, like so, he's way smarter than he looks. Is what is what I'm banking on. Him and Tej combined, you put them on the team, you're you're set in a lot of departments because you match Tej's computer skills with just Joe Bang's, you know, knowledge of random stuff and what they can do and what's lying around. That is a potent team. You're already ahead of the game. I like that he delivers a chemistry lesson in the movie that he writes it on yes. the wall. Yeah, because they're yeah. like, "How how is this going to work?" I thought you were Joe Bang. Like you, you have to live up to your name. You you want gummy bears? He's like, "Well, this is this. The salt substitute is the potassium. Blah 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 blah. You add a little bit of heat, you got a bomb. You got an explosion. Whatever." And he like draws yep. it all out, and he's like, "This is how it works." It's one. It's like, "Oh, you're brilliant." And and then they go the extra step of showing Channing Tatum erasing it later, covering his steps. He's not and and erasing the fingerprints. It's like you think he forgot all that. No. He's smart enough to get rid of all that evidence, too. Yeah, a very nice touch. I think that Channing would be a worthy inclusion. I think Adam Driver is a pretty worthy inclusion. I think Riley yep. Keough's yeah. Nelly would be a great inclusion. But I do think the only name I wrote down 
you know, I was going to try to play devil's advocate and like sort of go for somebody else, but I think it has to be Joe Bang. I think it just has to yeah. be because unanimous this time. Yeah, it's just he's it, just it great. kills me to not say Driver. I would, I really want want him. I just want, I just want to get to know any of his characters on any team. I, yeah. I, I'm, I guess I, I have to remind myself I am not going on this heist, so I am not going to beat anybody. It could be, and, it could, um, you know, when we cover the obviously the heist in Men in Black International, uh, we are going to nominate. <laughs> Brian Sullivan. They're going to want the cab driver. Yeah, obviously. They're going to need a getaway driver. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's hard because driver is, it's uh, between Craig driver and, and Riley Keough is, is fantastic as well. Um, We, if we're, if we're talking just character, not actor. Yeah. Because I think what's nice that like what sort of bumps up like I think that if I had to pick a second one I would pick Melly Riley Keough's character because I think great great second choice yep. she's good through the movie yeah. but then Drives. I think when, when you see the twist at the end of like what actually happened like how they actually got away with some of the money I think the extra stuff she does of like sort of blending into the background and helping them out and like actually being in there and just yep. All the stuff that she does, I think, that elevates it at the end. Also, just the excitement that she has on her face when, like, we have a code pink and, like, she knows that her nail polish thing worked. Like, just, it's just, I love her so much. She's wonderful. So I'd like to have her on the team. But I do think that, like, not having Joe Bang is a shortcoming. So I think we need to have Joe Bang. Yeah. It's, she, she, uh, it's, it's, she, she can blend in. And then also when she doesn't blend in, that can also work to her advantage because she can play both ways. It's like if she really wants to stick out, she absolutely can. She could be like a like a, a gorgeous knockout distraction and also could put a hat on and then just like walk through the middle of a NASCAR race and like everybody's like, okay, whatever. You and know? I feel like yeah. can also talk shit in a way that we have rarely seen this lap, like when she's talking to her, oh, yeah. I guess, not really brother-in-law, but you know, Katie Holmes' husband or whatever, and she's like, she gets him to say like, I like, I'm a big stick guy, I like big stick or whatever, I love stick. <laughs> yeah. And just like walking away, like she knows she won the argument. Like she just, she's able to like, anything you need to do, it's it's wonderful. So, you know, and I'm like, her. yeah. Keep yeah. giving it to Roy from The Office. It's like exactly. He, he keep, as, and that's every role he does now is some variation on that. Well, not every role, but a lot of them. I think we need to talk about Hillary Swank, though, because I think her 93-minute mark drop-in as the FBI agent, she has a great line. She's like, I hate airtight alibis, which is like, yeah, like there's yes. got to be something yeah. there. Like, yeah, I was in prison. Like, I couldn't have done this. I was in prison. It's like, well, that's not necessarily, but, you know. It's like, what, what are you so worried about? There's nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the exactly. problem. Well, that's it's, yeah. that's the, the Hobbes line in Fast and Furious 6, basically. It's like there's never nothing. There's always something. Like, there's something yeah. here. I don't know what it is. That's exactly what worries me. The Logan curse going to, you know, maybe strike again because as they're all not really celebrating, but they're all happy at the bar that Shanning is now dating Catherine Waterston. Wonderful mm-hmm. in this movie as well as the... You know, physician's assistant doing the... Must be nice, Channing. Must, must be, nice. be nice. She's looking beautiful in this movie. I loved her in Inherent Vice. She's great here. Wow. But, you know, he's happy with her after the donation. She knows who it's from, even though he doesn't sign it because of the way that he underlines the A and Sylvia. And the and the Band-Aids on the back. He does like, you know, he does like three or four different things. It's like two of them would have sufficed. But if Ka- if it's Catherine Waterston on the line, I would have done the same. Rightfully so. Her, like, Catherine Waterston's, like, partner is just like, I don't know, like, don't expect anything because it's written in crayon and, like, it's got a kid's band-aid on the back or whatever, right? So, like, it does look like a, a crazy person did it, but he knows what he's doing. But they're yeah. all yeah. there. They're all happy. They're all, you know, celebrating that they got away with some of the money. And then who's there at the bar but Hillary Swank just like, I think I'm going to be sticking around a while. It's like, uh-oh. 
and it makes you want a sequel. I'm sorry, yeah. but it it does. It's it like because this does. is just perfect, contained in what it is, and whatever sequel there is will live on in our imaginations, right? And yep. that's and that's surely what that was intended to do. And though I was reading that Channing, always, Channing Tatum, Channing, like he's my best friend, Channing Tatum, because like, oh, Channing is a name that, like, when you say Channing, there's only one Channing you're referring, unless yes. it's Carol. Yeah, Channing. I mean, it's either it. it's either it's either Tatum or Carol, and usually and nobody, it's Carol. Yeah, but no one to calls be fair, her Channing, right? Yeah. No, but, I would not have. I would never. You in a million years your elders, would, I, yeah. would I do that? Um, she just whacked me right across the face. Oh. She wouldn't tolerate that. So he has said never rule anything out with with Steven Soderbergh because look at Magic Mike gets a yeah. sequel but he has said there are no plans in the works there's it's not on anybody's pitch deck you know nobody is 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 working on it but still it's I can't help but think what too Logan too lucky would be oh and, god and oh, eventually god. at the end of it and if and if she's pursuing them throughout but then they managed to get her on their side. And so at the end, she kind of has to join their team. And in the third one, it's Andy Garcia in Ocean's 13. She's just a part of the heist now. It's there because there's nothing I love more than the, the, the not the antagonist, but the, the one working against the heroes eventually teaming up with them. And that's why the Fast and Furious does that with pretty much every antagonist ends yes. up joining the team and that's one of the chief joys that's why i love every time magneto has to begrudgingly work with xavier it's i found that dynamic fantastic so i'm already planning like i said they do three of these movies she's with them on the on in the third movie oh for sure doing. yeah and maybe marrying adam driver i don't know what what soderbergh is also proven to be really good as like oceans 12 is a great movie like i think that gets a bad rap i think that's I, when we did when we did Cinemakers, I expected to like thirteen more than twelve, but I think twelve is kind of like a masterpiece because twelve is basically a sequel about how hard it is to make a sequel and like how hard it is to do a follow up heist to a perfect heist. And I feel like whatever Logan Lucky two would be or two Logan two Lucky, as you said, would be it, it would be like a cat and mouse movie that's like about being a cat and mouse movie or about like following something up or whatever. Like it would be something that's not just a cop tracking them down or joining the team or whatever, there'd be something more. There'd be another twist. There'd be a reason to make the movie other than making money. And I mean, I, I hope that we get it, but because the, the, the weird thing is that like, this is filled with like pretty big names, but like you were saying, it's not like a Tom Cruise, but it's like, Oh, like there's so, so many people went on to make so many things, but like Adam driver was already Kylo Ren. And also he's no longer Kylo Ren. Daniel Craig was already James Bond. He's also no longer James Bond. Like, Fair. Channing Tatum and Riley Keough are both like still. Channing like, Tatum is no longer Channing Tatum. He's Mickey Smith now. So, you know, it's a completely different part. Not really. Well, no, but I mean, they, he, he also retired from acting basically after this movie and came back, right? Like Riley Keough is still like sort of doing her weird indie quirky roles. Like, yeah, you could get the whole crew back, I think. I think if they did it now, it would theoretically do better because Adam Driver's a bigger name now. Yep. Daniel Craig is, 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 people are used to seeing him in. This was pre Knives Out, wasn't it? Yeah. So yep. he's he's already established that that he can do that. I, I I think there would be more opportunities for a movie like this to find its its groove than there was before. Um, or who knows? I mean, I'm really really I I don't want to sound entitled. It's like I want more, but it's I, I'm happy to have this, and and we can just use our imaginations for the rest. But you can't help but wonder. It's like well what would a sequel be? And, and it's exactly that thing. It's because when I first saw Ocean's 12, I didn't like it. Um, I was like, this is not as charming as the first one. It's completely, and, and that's the point. It's not trying to replicate the first one. And so when I watched it a second time, I got it a little bit more and I was less, there were less expectations. I'm like, oh, this is 
good in a different way. And also it's the only one of these with Albert Finney in it. So that immediately kind of yeah. gives it a nice little party. Yeah. Um, whereas Ocean's 13 is a little more like Ocean's 11. Right. It's it, back in Vegas. It's the whole thing. Yes. I like Ocean's 8 also, I should say. I think that one's a little gets gets a bad rap. I don't yeah. know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with that one. It's got well, a, it it's starts, got it starts a women. That's what's wrong with it. People don't well, like yeah. Lady Ghostbusters. They don't like Lady Oceans, right? It's the same thing. Even though Lady yeah. Ghostbusters is, I will say, it was on record, incredible. funnier than the original Ghostbusters. I don't think the original Ghostbusters is funny. I think it's, no, it's I love funny the people being like weird. I think the I think the newer one has more jokes, but you know the, the only the only problem with that with that Ghostbusters that you that you mean the Kristen Wiig yes answer yes. the call yeah and in one is that is is that Peter McNichol is not in it. That's my problem with any Ghostbusters movie aside from Ghostbusters two because that's the only one right now that <laughs> Peter McNichol is in. So put him in it and you know and we're fine. But it's, I, 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 I find that movie quite funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the problem is with that, but Ocean's Eight. It's it's like, do you, do you not want to look at all of these beautiful, talented women doing this thing? What is what is yeah? Wh- what what it. exactly is wrong here? I I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean I I get why, but right. I don't really get why. Right. So it's like I understand why, but I also don't understand why sexism exists. Right. It's just like yeah. what what, what well, can you point? Like, I'm what I'm, don't I'm like glad somebody said it. I'm yeah. like finally, you know, finally, it's about time somebody yeah. said it. Um, and for no other reason, Kate, Kate Blanchett, I mean, it's Galadriel on a heist. What's wrong with you? Oh, man, she's I mean, amazing in everything she does. Yeah. I want to say also point out here, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier in this movie, as one yeah. of, the, as one of uh, Seth MacFarlane's other racers. I forgot he was in it. I didn't. This oh. was before the explosion of Jack Quaid. Yes. So when I first saw this, I didn't even know who Jack Quaid was. Jack Quaid, the titular boy in The Boys. In The Boys and, uh, and one of the stars of Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. We got Macon Blair, who's a great director, actor, as uh, Hilary Swank's plus one, basically. We had Jim O'Hare from Parks and Rec. Yeah. I, I kept I kept thinking someone to tell him to shut up or call him a different <laughs> name, but but he doesn't Jerry, have Gary, to do. Gary, yeah, Gary. Yeah, Gary, whatever. Shut up, Gary. But I like Soderbergh always is able to put like really funny people or just like cool people that, you, that everybody loves in the background or in one scene. He just fills this movie. Like he's got an eye for talent. Him and his casting director, who I think he's like used for most, I don't remember her name. I got to look her up. Like, I can believe it's Carmen Cuba. He has this team around him. He does his own cinematography, but like when he has other people or like the, he does his own editing, but he has those people, like all these things that he has around him help make his like sort of singular. It's what you've seen. Like it's kind of comfort food, but it's done in a way that like isn't normally done. It's just, it's wonderful. From, from what I've heard of people that have worked with him um, on various projects, he, is very involved in the casting process, not just in the principal actors, but say you have an actor has one line. He is very involved in making sure that is exactly the right actor. When it comes to actors in the background, they have to be exactly right. He is very involved with the way every single person looks. As far as I'm told, I have not unfortunately worked with him myself, but that is uh, that he has... It's not that uh, an overzealous, maniacal need for control. It's just he oversees everything. He's a part of all of that. He wants it exactly the way he to fits his vision, and he just makes sure that that happens. Which, which respect for that. He doesn't just and, and he. So when it comes time to shoot, he's like, okay, fire them, get rid of them, replace that. It's like everybody knows if he's if he's if you have his guarantee, you're fine. Yeah, which and it works. Nice. Like it pays off. Like it. Yeah. The, the proof is in the pudding or whatever they say, right? So Yeah. 
Joe, other thoughts about Logan Lucky? Any scenes that you love we have not talked about? Moments, characters, anything? For how much we talk about in Fast and the Furious, there's a ton of gas stations in this movie. True. And it and it kind of grounds it in a way, because, like, I mean, everybody spends some time at a gas station, right? Whether you're, like, getting a drink or something like that. And especially, like, if you're in a place like West Virginia that doesn't really have giant shopping like i'm imagining that there's not like a giant shopping center near them right so like what are you gonna do you're gonna go to the you're gonna spend a lot of time around a gas station somehow that's just how this stuff works and i thought that was really interesting just because for so many cars in fast and furious we never see a gas station and also just like chanting like you know like it's the same kind of thing that we think we would see han doing but him like waiting for his daughter just like eating like a shitty little chocolate like a drake's cake or whatever just like yeah like a ding dongs yeah. yeah just like you know that's just what's around right he's just gonna eat that because he's at the gas station like there's not like good food options there he's gonna eat something that tastes good but not good for you so just like it feels real yeah exactly so i was like i was pretty i was pretty stoked on that i have a question for you and i f- i don't know the answer did we so at one point they call the cops muskers. Would, did we watch another movie where they called the cops muskers? I feel like we just did. I can't think of it. You can't think of it? Musker is a Romany word that means police. It's a gypsy term, muskers for police, apparently. Oh. Gotta watch out for them muskers. We yeah. might get cheesed. Yeah, when you, exactly. When you Google cops muskers movie... Zootopia comes up. Oh, that's John Musker. Nope, different thing. <laughs> Logan Lucky comes up, and there's a movie called Beyond. I was going to say, my, my favorite really rated NC-17 gritty cop movie of all time is Zootopia. Yeah. Zootopia, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that sloth scene it, is like, can you imagine that? They let, they let them make that. Hard. Oh, it goes hard. It goes hard. And even I'm like, I have a high tolerance. I'm like, this is violent. Would now that now that you say that, I think that I'm just remembering that we were on like a bender watching like a whole bunch of, I don't know the name of the show. You're gonna have to Google it, but it's like Gypsy Wedding Dressmaker, and there's like a whole like show about this one woman that makes all of the like Little Shop of Gypsies. No, no, it's it's something about it's specific. My big fat Gypsy Wedding or something. My big fat Gypsy, gypsy wedding. Dressmaker on TLC. Yeah. Like that. Okay. So I think that they were calling them muskers, and I thought that it was a movie that we watched. And But now that you said that it was like a gypsy term for it, then yes. Couldn't tell you. Those were the main things that I was just like uh, thinking about as I was watching the movie, trying to pick who my, my heist bud would be. Sure. Brian, other favorite moments, favorite scenes, characters, lines, anything we have not talked about yet? I like the, the, the twist at the pageant. I yeah. like any moment, any scene where this has been the setup that she, that the character for whatever performance or speech or, or, or presentation is going to do this song. And then at the last minute decides to change it up and just do something from the heart mm-hmm. is, is bound to kind of, it's kind of a sucker punch with me, but I, I don't think Soderbergh had me in mind when, when he was planning this or, <laughs> and so, so that that was how they did it. And, and the, the, the child who's, who, who performs this is fantastic, but also that he shows up and that that's why she does it. And the father daughter bond is wonderful. I love that. It, and no, we did not need to see this, this child do umbrella by Rihanna. She goes out <laughs> and sings from her heart and the audience joins in a little bit and then wins the whole thing. It's not at all what the movie is about, but it's a nice grace note enough 
So when it's part of the alibi, which is convenient, not only does he make it for his daughter and is there for her, it's conveniently part of the alibi. Mm -hmm. They say it's like, well, not only he has an alibi, he was at this school for his daughter's beauty pageant. And apparently she won. Yeah. And it's like, so it's even more details in the sack of problems for Hillary Swank. He's like, oh, that's great. I'm so glad. You know, well, what I also love about the relationship, the father daughter relationship is like the movie. I think the first scene is her handing him tools. Like you can see just very like, much. Yep. Yeah. Very show don't tell like that. He raised her that like, yeah, she's with Katie Holmes, too. But like she loves him like her yeah. choice. And like the only reason she's with Katie Holmes and her shitty new husband is because of the court was like you have full custody because like that's just what happens. Like he's. You know, yeah. I also do think that that ties into, and I'm not going to go into detail here because we talked about it like every episode of Cinemakers, but like Soderbergh's whole thing is the American dream and like people trying to make it and trying to, you know, create wealth. And usually it doesn't really work for a lot of their characters, but like that's what the, for Magic Mike XXL being such a pure, fun, wonderful thing about positive sexuality, the first Magic Mike is just like, how do you make it in America? How do you make money? And here it's the same thing. It's like guys down on their luck trying to figure out a way to like get by and so, yeah, like you're not going to the courts are not going to award custody to a guy who like can't keep a job because he's got like an injury and whatever, not his fault. But like to show how close the father and daughter are, it's just so wonderful. So when he shows up and when she sees him and changes her plans, it's beautiful. Like it makes me cry. It's so good. Yeah. And it's also not that he necessarily wants to become big and rich and never have to work again. Nope. After this big successful heist where they end up with garbage bags full of money. He gives it to the people. He more than gives it to the people that helped him get there. He helps this clinic. He just wants to be closer to where his wife and kid is. And he's still working. He's working at Lowe's and he's happy. And so he pulls off this huge heist and he's still doing a job that needs to be done of service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's and he's working at Lowe's and, and he's likely happy because his his family's together. He's dating Catherine Waterston and he gets to be close to his daughter. So I'd call that an, a, a success. Yeah. No, he's not living the high life and drinking Cosmos on a beach chair, you know, or wherever the hell and and living it up with, you know, burning through cash. He uses it for for good reasons. And he's still he's still working. It's not like oh, I'm doing this. So I never have to work again. Yeah, because he's probably not that kind of guy. I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> he's probably he's he's probably not. Yeah, congratulations! So, you just won the lottery. What are you buying? He's buying a new garage. Like he's just gonna like you know keep doing the same thing. Yeah, like he's gonna... it's like or buy something from for my daughter. Or put this away for mm -hmm. her college fund. Or buy Catherine Waterston a new, um, what is it? A vaccine bus or whatever the hell that thing is. Yeah, just it's new like, all yeah. the whatever the party buy a, needs, a bigger right? yeah. and better one like this, and it might have Nasa in case you really have to get away. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna buy um I'll buy an even better arm for my brother. You know, he he do he do that stuff first. It's like, am I going to fix this limp? Probably not. I'll just deal with it. It's fine. I'll I also do want to say that this came, this movie came out in a year where like four or five movies used John Denver songs, like Kingsman 2. And like, there's like, it was like a weird, yeah. like, like, and they were and all that's, used And that so is well. the more, I have to say that is the more memorable use of, of, a, of a, of a song from, from that person. Cause that Kingsman 2 scene is yeah. ridiculous ridiculously incredible but it's used perfectly here too like it was just like this yeah, weird moment is. in time right it, so uh, unfortunately marks I, I i would give anything if mark strong then walked up behind this girl at the pageant and started singing along <laughs> with her um people tell me that's an unrealistic expectation and that they don't need logan lucky to cross over with kingsman too but, but i say grow an imagination yeah why so. not channing yeah. in both movies why not the same character. why not it's, i didn't even put that together you're yeah. absolutely right 
Channing uh, a Kentucky, come on. you know, like a bourbon guy or whatever in there. Like, that's not wildly far off from here, right? So I, I don't want to tell anyone what to do. That said, they should absolutely have done this. They're wrong <laughs> to not do it. They have horrible taste for not doing it. And the movie is now worse because this they, they shot down my fantasy. So. Very well said. Long and short of it, thanks for nothing, Soderbergh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that said, let's watch the trailer for this movie. So this is posted by Bleecker Street. Uh, in May of 2017, this is the, the original trailer posting. It's got 12 million views. Logan Lucky official HD trailer. And I, I would imagine I've probably seen or at least heard this trailer. I think trailer we did. I think we yeah. did. I, it, it was like a period. They played it a lot at the movies, and that was like a big time of movies to see. Go ahead. The top comment. Daniel Craig's attempt at losing the James Bond typecasting, LOL, looks good. Yeah. Oh, also another comment that I'm sure is in the trailer, another Joe Bang line where he's like, they're like, oh, we need you to help with this job. And they're like, when is it? It's like, you know, next week. He's like, I am in car, sir, Ray, Tid. Just like going back and forth. Just wonderful. All right. Oh, are you guys yeah. ready to watch this trailer? Well, it's good to see Adam upholding the Skywalker tradition of losing a hand. Very, very true. I'm getting an ad for HBO Max before. Are you guys getting that too? Well, I have an ad blocker. I use ad Actually, I have an ad yeah. blocker and I also have my sister pays her YouTube premium for some reason. So I'm on that too, which is, I highly recommend that. All right. Three, two, one, play. Bleaker Street. I think Soderbergh also probably cuts his own trailers, if I remember right. So, like, okay. he probably made this. I gotta let you go. Super cool. You were just fired. Two brothers. For liability reasons involving insurance. <laughs> this is fun. This is a fun trailer already. Just like the trailer. I think I I don't think I've seen this one. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Oh, also, sort of like the original Ocean's Eleven, where they're targeting the specific weekend because it's the fight weekend. They don't want to do that here, but it accidentally becomes the you know the Coca-Cola 600 or whatever. Like when they have to do the thing, right? Like it's like yes, we're getting pushed up. So it's it's similar in a way. It's like this is the biggest weekend of the year. There's the line. Yeah, we got it. But instead of by choice, it's because it has to be banned because they finished the work early. Coca-Cola 600 yeah. is the biggest race of the year. We need computer wheels. I know everything there is no about I like the okay. The all the Twitters. Toilet bowl, toilet lid. Horseshoes. Uh, horseshoes, yeah. Welcome to the Coca-Cola 600. And there was Brian's uh, Jack Quaid. 20 yards. I don't know, maybe 30. Is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here. Also, I said, you know, Brian was saying before about Soderbergh's ability to show, like, like the, the cutting at the right time and showing speed. Yes. There's a couple times here, like this scene here where they don't run or outside where the Bang Bros, I'm sure named specifically for that, but the Bang Bros are, like, bombing that, like, thing to cut down the cell tower, and they don't run either. It's like they're yes. cutting to show speed or not cutting to show, like, these guys don't know what they're doing. Oh, this is going to be good. That looks like it hurt. Yeah, Sebastian Stan, that's right. I want everything on Jimmy Logan. Introducing Daniel no, Craig as Joe Bang. Naked. So no bacon. I said no bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. This is such a fun movie. People say that. <laughs> Would you give me my arm, please? <laughs> Is it this one? <laughs> Beautiful. I also think it's great where uh, 
Riley Keough knows because it's a holiday weekend, because of this, because of that. There's, you know, budget cuts of the police. They're not going to yeah. have a lot of troopers out. There's only going to be one. And Joe Bang is like, well, that's still one. And she's like, no, it's taken care of. And he goes, what? He goes, she goes, that's taken care of. And it's because Channing called in on that, you know, the old woman that he, she was like giving in a the hair, purple car. Right. Yeah. Just like, oh, no, it's, you know, she needs to be contained, as the cop says. Right. So. Wonderful. Yeah, and they go speeding past, and they're like, "Don't look at that. We got a situation here yeah. with this old woman who's obviously not a threat." We've watched a lot of movies lately where cops are idiots, which is you know nice to see. So shout out to them. This this movie does, and in the trailer especially, like it's very much show don't tell. We like we often bitch about this that like come on, the audience is smarter than that. Like we don't see the little girl win the thing; we just see her with the trophy. You know what happened? Yep. Like we don't see like there's so many instances that he does this in this movie that it's just like okay, like the thing just worked and like moving along. We got yep. more of the story to tell. Just fucking do it. Absolutely. There's no scene where, for instance, he says it's like, well, thanks to our gambit with the cake and the cockroaches, we <laughs> yes! trailed exactly where the tubes go, and now we know which vault to go from. So now we will go to the next step. Yeah. They just leave you to put that together. And some people may put it together and some may not, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't treat you stupid or talk down at all. And very nice wordplay there, Brian, with the gambit, the whole Channing Tatum of it all, almost Ooh. playing gambit. So oh, yeah. well played. All right. We have one game to play, Brian. I don't, I don't, we don't play this in the main episode, so I don't know if you know this, but it's called the Letterbox Game. So mm. for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterbox, has been seen by 1.1 million people 1.1 million people have logged that movie on letterbox now logan lucky 2017 directed by steven soderbergh starring channing tatum adam driver riley keogh daniel craig katie holmes Catherine waterson seth mcfarland dwight yokum sebastian just like see the names laid out incredible yeah this game was very difficult brian do not feel bad if you don't even know where to begin how many people do you think have seen or have logged on letterboxd logan lucky joe do you want to go first you want to give brian sort of a, a baseline for a guess I think so. I think I'm going to go uh, 185,000. Okay. Brian, how many people do you think have logged this movie on Letterboxd? What was Mad Max again? 1.1 million. 1.1. Wow. Well, it's definitely not that. I'd say it's it's it would depend on it's been it's, it hasn't been streaming on Hulu forever, but I know it's been other places. It kind of moves around the this streamers, so it's often yep. available. Yeah. And I could see people not like if it's available for free streaming, then watching yep. it that way once they see, oh, all of these people in mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and especially the huge Katie Holmes hive is going to follow her anywhere. Ah, uh, but I think, I think that what the, the number before is probably accurate. I'll say, uh, give it a little more optimistic, two hundred and fifty thousand. Well, I will say you're both pretty close, somewhere in between. One more guess oh. for both of you between one eighty-five and two fifty. 200 even 200 i was gonna go 205 yeah 206 all right well brian with that revision of a bid wins in the price right rules 229,000 people 229 we honestly didn't start off that bad pretty solid no yeah you're in the ballpark so now out of those 229,000 people the average rating of a 3.5 most common a four then a three and a half then a three brian i don't remember are you on letterboxd are you not on letterboxd no is that something that 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 I mean, I like the the parody accounts that intentionally write stupid reviews of things. It's like of the deep blue sea. They're like, the sea wasn't that blue, so one star. It probably doesn't help the service at all. I I didn't really know that was a thing that people do 
all that often. So no, I'm not on Letterboxd. I'm not even really familiar with what it well, is. Well, you are on Letterboxd as an actor in three films. Oh. We might even talked about this, but you're in Men in Black International, Family Obligations, and The Mix. Oh, I bet they're all doing smashingly on Letterboxd. Joey uses it as a way to just uh, keep track of movies he's seen and his thoughts and rankings and, and it's also nice know, that like ratings of those movies. In addition to that, it's also like if you find people with similar taste to you, like there might be a movie that has like a three average, which is like fine, not great, but like if you if you have friends who like a certain kind of movie that you like and they all give it four, four and a half, five stars, whatever. You're like, oh, this is a movie that like might not be widely loved, but it's something that like I'm probably going to love because the people I trust. So it's it's a nice way to sort of like aggregate right. reviews and reviewers and whatever. And also there's, you know, dumb jokes or whatever. But on Letterboxd, each account has four favorite films. So you pick your top four favorite films. Some, some people use it as a joke. Some people do their, their honest, their four. Some people cycle it through, whatever. But out of those 229,000 people who have logged the movie, Joe, go first, because again, this is even harder. How many people do you think have this in their top four of all time? I was teetering between two numbers of twelve and eight, but I'll go twelve. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little far back, and it's, it didn't do great. It's a weird time. It's not like, oh, this is a classic. You know what I mean? So like, that's why my number's so low. But that's that's I think a good starting point. Twelve. Okay. It's fantastic, and I, I'd go so far as to say I love this movie. But there are a lot of movies in existence, yeah. and I love a lot of movies. And if I'm into a movie, I just I, I love it, love it. But that said, picking only four, there's no way this would be in my top four. I mean, and that's not a thing in the movie. It's just there's so many damn movies out there. But you have to factor in there's like people that just love Channing. There's people that just love Katie Holmes. There's people that love Daniel Craig. Dwight Yoakam fanatic. Dwight Yoakam himself, if he has Letterboxd. I'd say five. Well, the good news for this movie is that you are both way, way, way too low. So give another oh, guess. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Um, 37. I'll go 46. Still way, way, way too low. Oh. One more guess. 73. 105. 276 people have wow. in their That's top insane. four. Oh, That's insane. There's, there's some hope for Le Cinema after all. <laughs> yeah. Soderbergh too. That makes sense. Yeah, but I, that's still way, yeah. way higher than I thought. That's a good point for 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 huge Soderbergh completists mm-hmm. and everything. If their top four are all Soderbergh, mm-hmm. I could say it's like, well, Sex Lies and Videotape, uh, you know, Out of Sight, Traffic, you know, and then a fun one, Logan Lucky. Yep. So we're gonna go. Apparently, to, that's how they talk. I don't we're know. gonna go to Zev's profile at Sandra O Fan Club on Twitter or on Letterboxd. Uh, Zev. Reviewed this movie four times in the span of a year and a half. First up, the whole movie was good, but arguably the best part was Joe Bang giving Jimmy and Clyde a chemistry lesson in the middle of heist. Five stars. Then four months later, still relevant three years later because GRRM, George R. R. Martin, hasn't given The Winds of Winter to his publisher. Five stars. Then earlier this year, Jimmy Logan unleashes something demonic in me. I need to be his trad wife. Five stars. One week after that, I think this movie is God or something. Five stars. So Zev... <laughs> Their number two favorite movie of all time is Logan Lucky. Their number one and their number four are both movies that we have talked about in this episode. Ocean's Eleven. Very close. Ocean's Thirteen. You too far. Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's Twelve is okay, good. number one favorite movie. <laughs> okay, we got one. 
Number four is another movie we've mentioned this episode, but we have it's not a Soderbergh movie. Zootopia. No, that'd be oh, very funny if that was though. Guess. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, excellent guess. Okay. Another uh, movie. Is it a Fast and Furious movie? Nope. But it's a movie uh, we talk about a lot. A movie we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Irishman? Nope. No, you don't uh, I mean you don't talk about that a lot either. Winter Soldier, maybe? Nope. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Stan's big, big Christmas movie? No. No, I, I would love that, to see that, that, that though. A, it is a real thing. Is it's it hard really? to find a cop. No, it's not. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um, what else? I'm trying, what else have we talked about? Um, I would say we might talk about this movie more than any movie that's not a Fast and Furious movie on this podcast. What? Mm-hmm. Really? Definitely more often than any other movie, for sure. Is it Mad Max? It's Mad Max Fury oh, Road. Fury Road. Okay, there you go. Every episode. Yeah. Well, that's just that's such a good movie. It's it's well, it's perfect. It's that's perfect. how we that's how we use it as the bench. Like when we started, we yeah. were like, okay, well, how many people have seen Mad Max to get like a fucking benchmark here? You yeah, know? it's like, like uh, that. That's that's like okay, four K test disc quality kind yep. of a movie. It's yeah, uh, you know, my my test for those just for everyone to know is the opening scene to Lost. I just, you know, every time that I either get a new TV or a new set or a Blu-ray or whatever, I just put on the opening, the plane crash, them responding. I'm just like, because it sound crazy, pictures crazy. Really? This is what? a really uh, hi-fi record player guy thing to do. You got the one thing that you put on to, like, benchmark what you're listening to to compare, like, if you swap out speakers or you know, receiver, whatever, like, you're like, I know this song, I've heard it a million times, so. Yeah, that's, that's me with, mine is Fellowship of the Ring, because I gotta get those Shire greens, as green as I want them, I want Mm -hmm. them, and all the other colors popping, and everything to look just right, if that looks right, including the exact color green of Bilbo's door, then everything else is just gonna have to go along with that, that's the calibration, that's, that's more important to me than anything else. That's a good thing, it's a good metric, you you gotta have a baseline. And thankfully, it's like Godfather and the rest. Yeah, they still, still those look just those still look great. Yeah. yeah and then we have one more movie to guess. Zev's third favorite movie of all time. Kay. It is a movie that became a TV show. Ooh. Um, and both the movie Jack and the TV Reacher. show are great. Jack Reacher. No, that's a good guess. Better. Both are better than their counterparts. There. Movie that became a TV movie show. that became a TV show. Mm-hmm. Can you give me like an era, like what what years it was? Give me like a decade. The movie is from the '90s, and the TV show is from the 2010s. Oh, so it was much much later. I will say, this movie was made by someone that Brian mentioned earlier in this episode. Who the fuck did Brian mention? Yeah, I don't even know who I mentioned. Uh, well, it was a, it was a mo- well, Battlestar was a show and then kind of a movie. And then no, this was a movie so first that- in the 90s and then became a TV show in the 2010s. Made by someone or someone's hint. Oh, the Brian Coen mentioned. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, what oh, oh, Fargo. Fargo. Ocean yeah. 12, we got there, Brian. Logan Good Lucky, team. Fargo, and Fury Road. Good oh, team, that's- work, bud. Those are some those are some top choices. I mean, how can you go picks. wrong with Fargo in any top four? I'm like, I I you know can't can't debate it. That movie's amazing. As is the show. Mm-hmm. Both great. Both yeah. great. Also great. Brian, you are great. Thank you yeah, so much for joining you, us bud. again on the show. 
Thank you guys so much for having me and for giving me a wonderful excuse to re-experience this incredible movie that I love so much. I had a great time revisiting it, and as always, a great time talking with you guys about it. Selfishly, I pick movies for this show that either I want to see already and need a reason to (laughs) or want to watch again, so I'm glad that you could also fall into that trap or rabbit hole or whatever here, so. Happy to do it. Uh, Brian, what would you like to plug? What's out there? I know that I mentioned Return of the Pod, but what do you want people to know about you if they don't already know about you? Uh, you still getting those residuals from Men in Black International? Should people oh, yes. buy that? So <laughs> yes. let us know what's out there that you yes, want people please. to know about. Um, if you want to watch Men in Black International, pay for it if you can. If you don't want to pay for it, watch it on Stars. I think it's on Stars now. Cool. Uh, you can return if you like Star Wars and you're looking for a Star Wars podcast that's all positivity. Even warts and all, all positivity, even the silly stuff we celebrate it all. Return of the Pod is the place to be. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And other than that, if you want to, you, I'm occasionally on Twitter at Brian Silliman. Very, very cool. And I will say, we haven't talked about it here. Joe, did you watch Obi Wan Kenobi or no? No, I didn't. I heard it was kind of a roller coaster. Everybody's reactions that I saw was like, Oh, the like it was a slow burn, or they weren't enjoying it, and then they were like, "But the end was pretty good." I will say that I was down on it because I did not really care for Boba Fett, but I kind of loved Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, I think that cool. there's part of it where it's like there's some of the tension taken out of it. I'm sure that you understand, like, if because you know that like Leia's not going to die, that Luke's not going to die, that Obi Wan's not going to like. There's stuff that's just like I wonder how this going to turn out. But like the fact that it's like basically like a Leia origin story is wonderful. It really enhances. The movies that come after it. Yeah. If, 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 if you've seen this, great. You, you don't need it, but it's nice to have it. And I, and I it, this is going to sound sad, but it's not. I didn't know that it's the, this kind of show is, is something I didn't think I needed right now. It turns out a completely broken man finding his way back to the light and recapturing his spark is kind of the show that I needed to, to see right now. The performances all across the board. I, 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 I also have an unconditional love for all things Star Wars. Star mm-hmm. Wars can do no wrong. Even the holiday special, it's, <laughs> it says Star Wars on it. I don't care. I see the flaws. I don't care. The fandom is tedious about it with the up and down and the Goldilocks mm-hmm. shit of the this is too slow. This is too fast. Too much fan service. Not enough fan service. I eventually have to just tune that out. And I'm like, do I enjoy it? That's all that matters. Yep. And and the people I talk to about it really are my podcast co-hosts. And we kind of, all of us have nice conversations about it. Other than that, I don't really want to, I don't, people like to weigh in with their opinions. And I'm like, there are other things going on in my life than just Star Wars. It's like, it's not, I'm sure you guys probably get this too with Fast mm-hmm. and Furious. Everyone mm-hmm. having to weigh in with opinions and takes <laughs> and everything. And after a while, it's like, I actually don't need them. Um, you can, you can have them on your own. And sometimes after a while, you just, you just don't want it's let's talk about literally anything else. I don't want to hear about why, you know, a submarine and the ice is ridiculous for the 500th time. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's fun as hell and shut up and you bought the ticket. Know what you're go. What did you expect? And I, I will just say this um, because last time when I was on, when, when we were talking about fate of the furious, I, I had a ranking. Oh, do you have, do you have new rankings? I, I, I do. I don't haven't Ooh. thought about it, but whenever, you know, in another two years or so, you guys ever have me back for to talk more Fast and the Furious, <laughs> all I'm going to say is it has changed. And I will okay. say it definitely that, does. Wow. Was I, it, to myself, because who's the authority here? I was way wrong as I've watched them 
many more times, especially when they were re-released and with glorious HDR, a lot of them in 4K, um, was a nice excuse to rewatch some of them. I was way off. You are, I, I forgot, I forgot that you are, you had Furious 7 and Fate tied for your favorite movie. Yeah, and that's not true anymore. No one else has Fate above number four, maybe? No, maybe there's, there's one person with number three. Uh, two yeah, people number three, but nobody even has it as their second favorite, and you would have tied for first. So Two is still the bottom. That's not not that I don't like that movie, but that's just that's just the way it is. Um, but if we're throwing F nine into the mix now, that's going to shake things up. Okay. Eight is going to drop a little bit because I really, if I'm going to go to rewatch one of them, it's it's funny how Fast Five just slips in there so yeah, easily. Man. There's just uh, something about Jordana Brewster driving that car in the very beginning of a movie <laughs> that I'm like, yep. Yep, this is my night now. And mm-hmm. then if six finds its way on afterwards, whoops, how did that happen? I know. Um, and, and I and I still love Fate of the Furious for the reasons we talked about, but it would not be number one now. The problem would be finding where nine goes because, wow, that is so much movie. Every, like, 16 movies packed into <laughs> one. It's, how is this real? Yeah. Who greenlit this, and where can I send them flowers? Well, you will definitely be back for either a core installment yeah. or a pit stop or something. I also feel like if – I know that you said it earlier. I think we're, we're all sort of thinking if that, like, they keep saying it's going to end. Who knows if it's actually going to end, whatever. But if it yeah. does, if they're like, this is the final core installment, I think we're going to have to have everyone back on at least one more time to give their official final core installment rankings – wherever that is at that time, but, you know, that's years away. Because if, if 10 is going to be next year, I think 11 or 10-2 or whatever will be the year after that. Like, we're, we got nothing but time to, to get to these things, so. And are they going to do more prevents, presents movies, or is that just going to be the only one? We well, get it like, like, and Shaw 2. They, they greenlit it. They oh. haven't, yeah, oh, they great. haven't, like, shot it yet because, like, you know, pandemic happened. But, it, like, it got greenlit, like, right before the pandemic as 9 was about to come out. And as they were about to start shooting 10, so everything's kind of pushed back. We haven't heard anything lately, but they told us we, they were, we were going to do a second one. I, I, I'm probably in the minority, but I really want uh, Fast and Furious Presents just the Shaw family mm. and all of Fine them. by me. We got yeah. Luke. We got, we, 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 we got every single Shaw family character we've seen, including Helen Mirren and Vanessa Kirby and just a whole lot of Statham. And it's just that's that's the movie. I don't care what the plot is. I don't care if it's just them sitting in a room and cursing at each other for two hours or a webcam of them stuck in a room for 24 hours and they're not even in character. That's um, I I just I I really want that. I will say that I think our our listeners have finer taste than the general public because Joe picked Homefront for a film club that we run this week. And it is. Not going over well. <laughs> People are not very enthusiastic about the movie or Statham as an actor. So yeah, well, they're I, they're really down on Statham, and it, which was something that I wasn't expecting. But right. I mean, I I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he's Brian Cox, but he's he's. Do I really love watching him? Yeah, yep. that's what he's I one thought. Of those actors, he pops up. I'm like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So he gets so. he gets my 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 weak and and feeble motor running. I don't. Or, I can't tell you why. Sure. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I do anyway. 
Well, thank you again, once again, Ryan, so much for joining us. And I do look forward to having you back because I want to hear these. I'm glad that we sort of teased the rankings. We don't have them now. So next time we will get them. So for sure, please and thank you. But yeah, when watching, it's hard not to thank you guys. So well, thank you. That's that's all we want. Heart, heart, hand connection situation going on. (laughs) Speaking of heart, hand connection, Joe, next week we have Tokyo Drift, which we just watched an extra time this lap to do the commentary for. But it feels like we haven't seen that in forever. So I'm very much looking forward to watching Tokyo Drift next week because it'll be good. Yep. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Oh, remember, go vote. Cageclub.me slash bracket. Vote in the Too Fast, Too Forever Hall of Fame. Determine who gets enshrined. Immortality. Who's going to join Vin and Brian and Sunk and... Han, I'm mixing up actors and characters, but who's going to join those three in our Immortality Hall of Fame? Immortan Joe, not on the ballot, but Immortan Joe-tality. TooFastToForever.com, me slash bracket, do that thing. TooFastToForever.shop for our merch. And come back next week for Tokyo Drift. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Brian Silliman of Return of the Pod, and we'll end Men in Black International. Don't forget that. And we'll tell you all about it. See you.